GM, GM, welcome to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. Don't get caught in the hype cycle. I'm Jay Bird, joined by my co-host Kyle Reedhead, and we believe that token-bound accounts are going to change the world. That's why we're carving a path for doers to confidently build and invest in Web3. Friends, welcome back to another week here in the Web3 Rollup. At Web3 Academy today, we've got a lot to talk about. Nike is uh, one of the leading things we're going to talk about today with their Hour Force Ones, which went live over the last week and just finished last night. They brought in over $2 million. We're going to break that down. And they actually just announced, literally one minute ago, just before Jay and I clicked record, I was celebrating a partnership with EA Sports. This is big. We still don't even know what's going on, but I'm going to try to figure it out as Jay's talking. We're going to talk about ERC6551, this new standard that's coming, NFTs inside of NFTs. What does that even mean? We'll talk about that. Mercedes, a massive brand, another one. We keep having these, especially in the car world. They have launched NFTs. And we're going to talk about a bunch more. Bitcoin and some stuff going on there with their new protocol. Hong Kong, again, we'll touch on some stuff with Blur. We'll do a quick market watch and a big update on, or not a big update, but a bit of an update on what's going on in markets. And then just so much more as per usual. Oh, baby, we got a show today. Let's take a minute, take a deep breath, express some gratitude. So important. Transform your mind, transform your attitude by practicing gratitude every day, which we do here. Kai, what are you grateful for today? Yeah, I am grateful for my one-on-one meetings with pro members over the last two weeks. So I've had probably close to 30 by now. We launched this two weeks ago. So anyone who has a pro pass, which is an NFT that we give to all of our pro members, for our newsletter, we decided to give everyone a one-on-one call with myself to talk about investment, to talk about building, to talk about whatever it is in Web3. And so I've got to meet our community. It has been incredible, Jay. We've got people from all over the world, a few Australians. I was just on a call just before this with someone from Zurich, Switzerland. Before that, someone from Germany. I've had some Canadians, a bunch of Americans, literally people from all over. It has been really, really cool and people building some awesome stuff. I'll try to talk about some of them throughout the episode if I can, but just some some great minds and, and really cool to see so many people doing just so many different things in the space. And so hopefully to all those who listened, who booked a call and jumped in with me, hopefully I was able to help and give some advice. Some of them, I was like, wow, you're way smarter than me. I don't know how I can help you, but maybe you could help me. But either way, it's been great to just learn and try to connect people and, and share ideas. And um, we're going to do more of these in the future. It took a lot of my time the last two weeks, so can't do it you know, evergreen, but um, we'll definitely do more in the coming months. So pro members, stay tuned for that. I also heard that you're having a baby from... Uh... I think three of the 30, so 10% of people asked when the baby was coming. And I was like... Not my baby, but uh, Jay's is coming June 22nd. Our baby. Kyle and I are, are having a baby. No, no, no. It's the community's baby. It's Web3 Academy's baby now. That's right. <laughs> Everybody in the community will be its father. It's maybe father. we should do a vote on the name. <laughs> Definitely not. 100% no. Just a, a baby raised through a DAO? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> we would get some ridiculous name like 0x. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Anyways, I am grateful today to last night, I got a chance to hang out and meet Kyle's new girlfriend. Uh-huh, I'm grateful yeah. we got to hang. I'm grateful for Heather. I haven't met her in person, but meeting her over on Zoom was awesome. She's an absolute gem of a human and just great smile, great personality. So really grateful to get to meet her. I'm going to throw in a second gratitude. I'm also grateful for Andrew Huberman, king of neuroscience and habits and productivity. And uh, I've been practicing one of the main things he talks about in his morning routine is that as soon as he gets up, the first thing he does is make a beeline for sun. He does not look at his phone. He doesn't do anything. He literally gets out of bed, puts on clothes and goes directly outside and goes for a minimum of 10 minutes of sun, just a 10 minute walk, quite simple. And I've been practicing that this week and what a difference it makes in the morning. And it is free and so simple and so easy for everyone to do. So thank you, Andrew Huberman, for that tip. Let's jump into some market watch before we jump into the show. Let's do it. So markets have been a lot of chop at the moment. We're kind of in that like phase of, you know, as we've been saying, macro is kind of leading where markets go at the moment. Macro meaning interest rates, inflation, liquidity, et cetera. But the weird thing about this world versus the crypto world is we have to wait for earnings reports and we have to wait for the Fed to tell us about their meetings and they happen once a month. And so we're in the in-between. So there's basically no inflation numbers. There's no interest rate numbers for like a couple of weeks. And so in the middle of those, 
things are usually just kind of like, okay, well, we'll wait and see what happens. And then once those events come, that's when we go, okay, interest rates are up or down or inflation is up or down. And so things start to happen. And so right now we're just kind of in the in-between. The And this is both in traditional and in crypto. But what we're kind of seeing is like people are waiting for that for sure moment, right? Where we're like, okay, the Fed is for sure pivoting. Inflation is for sure gone. Like people are still kind of unsure at the moment. So we're waiting for clarity, which typically takes some time. But you can see that there are already people who are seeing through a lot of this and are investing for the future. And so capital is being deployed into the markets at the moment. It's just all happening in basically one space. Can you guess what space that is, Jay? AI tech. You got it. Artificial intelligence, right? It is booming like crazy. NVIDIA has just been absolutely insane. I think it went up like almost 30% in a day. These are even bigger than crypto numbers. It's nuts. But I mean, Microsoft, Google, all these have done quite well over the last few months, whereas basically everything else in equities has just kind of been chopping. Same with crypto. And I think when you think about why markets depend on interest rates, markets depend on inflation, right? Inflation sitting at what the last reading we had is 4.9. Interest rates are, what's the Fed fund rate right now? Around 5%. I forget what it is. But like, AI doesn't care about any of these things. Those who don't understand tech and exponential growth are not really grasping how profitable companies can become when they use AI, right? We used to have to hire people to do things, to research things, to implement things, to write things, to create things. And now you can for free use a robot, an artificial intelligence to do it. That just removes ridiculous amounts of expenses to businesses, and then also add so much productivity to these businesses, right? So it makes for companies with extreme growth, and it's way faster than something of a 4.9% inflation rate or whatever interest rates are. So that's why AI is, is having this moment, plus like we just had the chat GPT thing. To bring that back to crypto though, is when we look at these sort of technologies that have this exponential growth, blockchains have the same thing right? We're seeing the same thing with Web3. Ethereum is growing at 200% per year on average, and it has basically zero expenses. So does it care that inflation is 4.9% when ETH itself is deflationary? Does it care that interest rates are at 5% when you know it's growing at 200% per year? Absolutely not. Uh, why isn't ETH pumping? I mean, it already has gone up, what, 70% this year. So it's done quite well, even in this back market of macro. But Ultimately, it's just kind of waiting, I think, right? We're still kind of waiting for that for sure moment. And we're probably some regulatory clarity is waiting for its next catalyst is really what it was. Like AI had that with ChatGPT. So it had that catalyst moment. And I think crypto is in the same position right now. It's sort of like a ball that's like underwater, right? And it wants to just shoot out of the water, but it's got some gravity kind of hold, someone holding it down. And once that thing is released with some sort of catalyst, whether that's a change in regulatory in the US, whether it's interest rates pivot, whether it's liquidity increase, or maybe it's Hong Kong, right, which is happening on June 1st, which is today, you know, it's waiting for that thing. And then it's just going to shoot. And it's not going to care about inflation or interest rates or anything else, because its growth is just so exponential. So that's just kind of what's on my mind. We talked a lot about this in an event that we held yesterday, Jay, what's today, Thursday, yeah, two days ago now. And uh, we held this in our discord for all free members where we taught a framework to successfully invest in web three. And uh, the event was great with so many people turn out. So thanks everyone for joining, but really helping people learn how to minimize risk and capitalize on that opportunity long term. And so taking kind of a different view about how to invest in the space. And so thanks again for everyone who, who turned out to that. We're going to host a bunch more, so make sure to to check out and be on the lookout for those. And then finally, we did a summary of that event, of that that discussion in the pro report today that came out on Thursday. So if you're a pro member, you will have that in your inbox. If you're not currently a pro member and you want to get this framework for investing, in the show notes below, you can sign up to become a pro member. It's in the newsletter. Check that out because it is some seriously valuable information. Thank you for keeping us up to date on the markets and confident in our ability to capitalize on Web3 and the future of the internet. We got to take a minute to hear from our sponsor, but hang around because when we come back, we're going to talk about Nike. We're going to tell you all about ERC6551, Mercedes, OP-Pen, Bitcoin, NFTs. Holy geez, do we got a show for you today? Let's go. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, 
and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we partner with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. What's up, y'all doers? We're seeing signs on chain of the very early stages of a crypto bull run. There's a big wave coming, and we want to make sure you're on it. Now's the time to capitalize on the opportunity. How, you ask? By starting to practice consistent dollar-cost average buys into strong network-based assets like Ethereum and Bitcoin. However, when buying, please make sure to use a trusted exchange. Our newest sponsor, by DeFi is a reliable exchange that offers you a platform to turn your fiat into crypto. They also offer awesome rewards, allowing you to earn up to $2,800 for completing easy tasks like setting up two-factor authentication and verifying your identity. If you're eager to get into the market, get started with Buy DeFi now by visiting buydefi.com, that's B-Y-D-F-I.com, or clicking the link in the description below. Welcome back. First up on today's show, we are going to talk about ERC-6551. This is the new standard on Ethereum everybody's talking about. And as with any new standard, it's a little bit confusing. What the heck is this? When a new standard comes out, we don't necessarily know what the use cases are yet because we haven't seen them. We can hypothesize. We haven't seen them. We're going to tell you what those use cases are in a second. But first, let me just explain what this is. So ERC-6551 is a standard that allows any NFT to become a smart contract wallet. As a result of becoming a smart contract wallet, an NFT now can be more composable, more dynamic, and more interactive. Essentially, an NFT can now be tied. It can within itself, it can hold other NFTs. It can hold other ERC-20s. It can be bundled together, sort of like a folder can. I think that's the best way to think about this is when you're on your computer, you use folders to organize your files, right? And we talk all the time about how NFTs are just another file type. Well, up till now, using NFTs is like having millions of files on your computer you can't have any structure to them. What ERC-6551 does is it enables an organizational structure where you could have a parent NFT and then underneath it, you could have other tokens, whether they be fungible or non-fungible that are connected up to that parent NFT. That gives a lot of potential. That has a lot of meat huge use cases, which, I mean, I feel like I'm a massive nerd saying this. I'm fired up about this new token standard. Just one thing I'll also add in, and then Kyle, I'll let you jump in and share your thoughts, is because this standard, what it does is it makes your NFT into a wallet, a smart contract wallet. This also enables messaging now between NFTs because wallet-to-wallet messaging is something that is possible. So messaging can come into play where one folder or one community member could message another community member from NFT to NFT. A little bit complex about how that'll be used, but we'll we'll chat about that. And then the final thing I'll say is uh, the other definition you'll hear is token bound accounts. That's what everybody is using the language for. We call ERC-721s were NFTs, while ERC-6551 is token-bound accounts. So you might hear that term as well. We have terrible naming structures for things, but I mean, it is tech. And so we'll never use this. Eventually, we'll never use this terminology. Again, if you are a Web3 brand and you're using this, or you're just a brand, sorry, I don't even like saying Web3 brand anymore. If you're just a brand and you're using this, don't put that in your marketing. No one cares that it's a token bound <laughs> account or it's an ERC-6551. Just don't say that. Just say what it actually does for you. 
it's a folder for a bunch of your images, right? Or whatever it is. So let's talk about some use cases. You know, what does this mean? Why do I want to put more NFTs inside of my NFT? A lot of people are coming up with these sort of like basic use cases of, oh, well, if you have a boarded yacht club, you can now put your mutinate yacht club in with it, whatever. A speculative asset on top of a speculative asset, who gives a shit, right? Like that doesn't really matter. The one sort of best one I've seen actually came from our Discord was talking about the gaming world. So we talk about how avatars will become NFTs. And as you level up your avatars in the game, they will gain skills and become better. And then as a result of them being better, they can be worth more, have more value because they're a better thing inside the game. And then you could sell them. That was like the main thing of NFTs and, and sort of putting NFTs inside of games. But now remember, avatars can also get shoes and a sword or a gun or a whatever, right? They can start to collect things on top of your avatar. And all of those will be their own NFTs. And so now you can put them all within that one avatar and you can sell it as a package deal, mm -hmm. right? So again, just think of it like a folder, sort of more just organizing something, putting it all together and selling it. But if you go further than that, here's the easiest one you can think of. We think that music NFTs are going to be a big thing, right? And so you have a bunch of music NFTs. And then we think curating playlists is going to be a big thing, right? You're basically grouping a bunch of music NFTs together. Well, originally you had to do that by just a bunch of different music NFTs. Now you can put them all together as a playlist or albums. An artist can drop an album and it's an NFT and inside of it is 12 songs. And now you can just buy that one album and you also own the 12 songs, right? That's just so obvious we should go that route. Like that's, again, it's just the way the Web2 world works is we have a bunch of images, we have folders for them. We used to have albums on a CD, right? And now just think of this new NFT or what did you call it? Token bound account is a CD, right? But a digital version of it. And then the MP3s that are on that CD are also just NFTs. So that's how you can sort of wrap your head around this. And this can be true for many things. Lists on Twitter, for example, right? We collect a bunch of, I don't know, marketers or Web3 people or whatever. And those are valuable. Some people want those other lists because they're like, I want to go and interact with all the top marketers on Twitter. Well, when every account becomes an NFT like Lens Protocol is, I can group all of my top 100 professionals in this industry under a list. That list can be an NFT. And then all the accounts under that are, and so now as soon as I buy that, I put it in my wallet, I follow automatically all those hundred people, or I could sell that thing as like a lead magnet, right? So anything that can be an NFT where there's many of them and you want to group them together, that's what this thing is going to do. Yeah. The other two examples that I really like are, we had Michael Robinson from Chainlink on the show. He's been on the show a few times that this was back in October when he came in the show and he talked about dynamic NFTs related to your car and yep. Tesla. He used Tesla as an example. So you could have an NFT to represent your car and then it would dynamically change as work is done to your car and things happen. Well, that was the early way of managing it. Now with ERC 6551, let's say your car was, was represented by an NFT, which we believe it will happen because that's just a way to have an immutable record of who owns the car. And then let's say you now go do something to the car. You get an upgrade to the car. You do a service to the car. Well, okay, now you're going to get an NFT, a certificate to represent that work that you had done to the car. And it's going to be packaged within this bigger NFT. So right. it's grouping all the work that you've had done to your Tesla within one NFT. So if you sell that NFT, everything goes with it and you get the full record and the full knowledge. You can think about like education like this. Like let's say you went to university, you took a bunch of different courses, you got one degree, but then you got a bunch of courses that you completed. Well, you could have record of each different course within one degree. Or another one I like is Seasons Passes. Like, let's say you got a Seasons Pass to the Toronto Maple Leafs, your favorite hockey team, and your Seasons Pass is one NFT, but then within that Seasons Pass, you have tickets to each game, and you can decide to sell just one ticket, or you could sell all of them together as a package. Right, but then keep your Seasons Pass, or you can then also sell the Seasons Pass. Or you can sell the Seasons Pass, just yeah, exactly. the seat just the spot to get the season pass every year is a big deal. Cause especially in like Toronto and popular cities, there's thousands of people waiting just to get a seat to get those season tickets. Right. Mm -hmm. So again, foldering tickets is essentially what that is, but all of it becomes an asset. So it's great. And then again, all that's interoperable. Like right now, if I have a folder on my computer of a bunch of images, I can't send that folder to you. I have to zip it 
uh, right? I have to turn that into a zip file or upload it over to Google Drive. So a third party has to facilitate that for me, right? And then I can't sell that folder. Can't do anything with it because no one actually owns it. It just lives on my device. Now those folders can be moved on marketplaces, can whatever. What's so awesome about this is this is where Web3 blockchain has the potential to combine with AI is with AI, you could imagine where people are thinking, well, like, okay, like how am I going to group and organize these NFTs? Well, AI is probably going to do it all for you. So if you were to, let's use the Tesla example, if you were to buy a Tesla, it's likely that Tesla could build an AI where whenever you have upgrades done to your Tesla or whenever you've worked on it, the AI automatically brings that NFT into this wallet that is created and keeps it all together for you. So there's just so much exciting things. The reason we bring up AI is because another project came out this week, an AI tool that enables you to make a AI-based photo. And then it automatically turns that photo into an NFT. So that's happening. And that's simple right now. Like to us, that's incredible. That's basically the equivalent of like taking a photo on your phone and it turns into a JPEG. Like right. it is normal. We that that. simple. So yeah, you can really see, we talk all the time about how Web3 is not just blockchain. It includes AI. It includes the metaverse. It includes immersive experiences. All these things are combining together. And if you're a builder right now, understanding these different standards is so important because you can capitalize and use them as you said, Kai, earlier, nobody's going to know about these standards. They're only going to know about the use cases that enable them to get great utility and have a better experience. I actually had um, someone that I spoke to in our, our pro meeting, and they are tokenizing parking spots. Parking mm-hmm. spots in Australia, I guess, it's becoming a really big industry because there's, I think they said like five or 10 cars per parking spot, something like that. And so they're tokenizing the parking spots so that people can invest in them. And then you know others can rent them out, lease them, sell them, whatever. But you might want to buy a whole parking lot, which has 20 parking spots. So they're going to use this token standard in order to enable that. Which by the way, if there's any developers listening, they're looking for help. So please DM me and I will introduce you to them because it's a great idea. People helping people. It's a beautiful thing. All right. Next up, Nike dropped their Our Force One, I always struggle to say this, Our Force One, which is a commemorative digital shoe collection of the original Nike Air Force One, their most popular shoe of all time. They launched this after some delays and some tech issues. They launched it last week and minting closed just last night, actually. And in total, there was 106,000 available and they minted 97,000, making over $2 million as they were priced at $19.82 each as a tip of the hat to the first year of the Nike Air Force Ones, 1982. So incredible to see. One thing I just got to mention is we got an article up on screen here that says that Nike surpassed 1 million in sales. And we now know that they surpassed 2 million. This is the beauty of on-chain. Do not necessarily just read an article. You can look at this stuff yourself. We've got a dashboard that you can, well, actually, we don't have a dashboard for this, but we've got Polygon scan up on screen. And you can see live exactly how many were minted. And you can also see the total number of unique wallets. So you can see that how many unique wallets there were versus how many were minted in total. So pretty cool you can do on chain. You grabbed one of these. What happened? So I'm from Canada, so I actually can't. But I asked in the our Discord and put a shout out to some Americans to see if anyone could mint me some. And our community member of the month last month, Candy Toybox, who is the greatest human alive, decided to give me, well, I purchased two off of her. There's two types of boxes. I got one of each. And so actually I sent her some ETH yesterday. She can't send them to me yet because I think it's just you can't send out of your wallet, I believe, as far as I know. Either that or she's rugging me. I'm not quite sure. But now, (laughs) Candy, everyone knows. So you're on watch. (laughs) But yeah, I got some. I'm, I'm super excited. It was so funny. So I'm not a person, for anyone who knows me in the real world, I don't care about fashion whatsoever. I don't have nice things. I don't buy a lot of clothes, like new clothes. I I prefer to be like barefoot, no shirt, bathing suit. Like that's my kind of life. My girlfriend, on the other hand, likes nice things. And so she's always wanting me to kind of level up my style. And I'm just like, ah, whatever. I don't really care. So anyway, I looked at her yesterday (laughs) and we were driving when Candy told me that I was going to get those two. And I said, babe, I just bought two 
digital Nike sneakers. And she had heard about these before because we talked about them a while ago and she was listening and she was like, what the heck are these things? Like, what are you guys doing? What are you talking about? And she looked at me, she goes, you just bought two sneakers? And I was like, yeah. And uh, she's like, for how much? And I told her and she goes, the shoes you're wearing right now are glued together. Why the hell are you spending money on, t- on digital sneakers? And I just cried laughing. It was so funny. And I was like, well, you're, you know what? I'd be the ultimate DJ. Like, at least you don't live in your mom's basement. <laughs> it was so funny. And I was like, well, you know what? Someday kids are going to really want these shoes. So you'll see. And she's like, whatever. <laughs> Just no idea. It was awesome. The other thing I want to mention about this is Nike had some some hiccups here along the way. This did not go smoothly. The original minting date for this was pushed back a week. And then when it did actually open up for mint, there was tech issues. They had to pull it down for a few hours and then put it back up. And some people were complaining it took hours to mint. So not the smoothest process. This is an important reminder that we are still early. This technology, it needs rehearsals. We need these rehearsals of minting 100,000 in total. And if Nike can't be perfect at this, you also don't have to be perfect at this. If you are a builder, just build. Be okay with building. Be okay with iterating. It's okay to mess up. Now, here's... What Nike did and what you, all builders and all projects, all brands need to know is open and clear communication. When Nike messed up, they immediately held a Twitter space for 45 minutes and they talked about the issue and they explained to their community what was going on, keeping everybody up to date. And uh, another big thing. So Nike just announced last night, they said that, okay, it's closed. And they said that they have an announcement in the morning. And that morning was right now at 11 o'clock AM EST. They announced it. All they posted was a partnership with EA Sports, which is massive. EA Sports is one of the biggest gaming companies in the entire world. They are all of the sports games are with EA Sports. And so Dot Swoosh has... Now, partner with them. I'm trying to pull up exactly what they're doing, but essentially what they're saying is they're going to be enabling some unique virtual creations and experiences for dot swoosh holders through EA. So their idea is eventually to use whether it's the shoes that get minted here or other things from dot swoosh in, in this sort of Nike world that they're building out. Likely what's going to happen is it'll be inside the EA games at some point. But right now they're talking about how this will integrate in with the EA sports fan base. So they didn't say how exactly yet, but they said they're doing playing some cool stuff in the coming weeks to months. They'll have more to release. So EA Sports just tweeted this out as well. They have 2.2 million followers on Twitter. That's a pretty big deal and a massive, massive company to bring into this. So that's pretty So sweet. if you meet Kyle in the metaverse, he'll be wearing the sweetest Air Force One kicks in the yeah. EA metaverse. But if you meet him in real life, he's going to yeah. be barefoot. Well, I guess <laughs> barefoot or some glued together chucks, which are also owned by Nike. So either way. <laughs> One final thing I wanted to share from this is there are 365,000 dot swoosh holders in total, and you could only get an Hour Force One by being a dot swoosh holder. This was not open mint to everybody. You first would be a dot swoosh holder. Now, if you are not a dot swoosh holder and you live in the US, you can go become a dot swoosh holder right now. Just go to their website. I believe it's swoosh.nike.com. And then you can become a dot swoosh holder. It doesn't mean you can get an hour first one. That mint is over, but there's going to be future mints. You should do it. In Canada, unfortunately, we can't do it. But if there are 365,000 dot swoosh holders and they minted 97,000 hour force ones boxes, then they had almost like a 27, 28% conversion rate from their community to this first mint. That's quite impressive. That's actually quite high. One thing we're constantly looking at is like, what is the expected conversion rates as we think about it from a marketing perspective? And if we look at Adidas as an example, we wrote a pro report deep diving on Adidas last or two weeks ago. And their conversion rate from their initial POAP, which had 3,400 POAPs minted to their phase one, which was like peak bull market, was 15%. So shout out to Nike, a higher rate. And also I think showing we're starting to get some numbers on like what you can expect, right? Like what now some things to keep in mind, Adidas only had 3,400 
free PO apps, right? And then they minted 40,000 in phase one, or was it 20,000? Nike was 300,000 something, and then they minted a lesser amount, right? So they minted 107,000 is what was allowed, and then only 97 actually minted. So keep that in mind. The other thing is Adidas is caught, like the cost to mint the Adidas phase one was quite expensive. It was like hundreds of dollars, whereas Nike is $20. So yeah. The, the numbers actually kind of make sense. You should think of these similar to what I think of as a PO app and then a paid product, like what Adidas did and what Nike did, is the same as like a free lead magnet where you get someone's email address and then you try to upsell them on a product, right? Which usually you're around like a 1% conversion rate. And if it's like a PDF where you're just like giving them a guide so that they, you know, you run an ad for it or you send it out to your brand or whatever on your socials and they give you their email, and then you go and sell them something. It's usually like a one, two percent in the Web two world. So these numbers are actually much higher, which means they're getting more engagement, which is interesting. Now, how much of that is because of the speculative aspect of this? I'm not sure, but it's cool to start having some numbers so we can start to figure out what are those. Like in the Web two world, as being marketers, we know if you're going to launch a PDF, here's the exact numbers you should expect. It's this percent. If it's a webinar, it's this percent. If it's this thing, it's this percent. And like we kind of understand these funnels. We don't know them yet in Web three, but it's really cool to see them play out and start to grasp some of these numbers and. What's really cool is the only reason Jay and I know this stuff is because we have to do it with a bunch of clients. We can't go look at what other, like, I don't know Tony Robbins conversion rates, right? But when it's Web3 and it's all on chain, I do know Adidas's and Nike's and whoever else. So that's really cool. Here's my take on this Web2 versus Web3. I believe that Web3 conversion rates are going to be higher than Web2 conversion rates because minting is a, a more engaged audience. There is a higher commitment involved with minting. So I think that if your first step involves a free mint, you're more in. You have a sense of community. You have a sense of belonging far beyond what you have in Web2 where you just give somebody your email. That doesn't feel like I joined a community. That doesn't feel the same as a free mint. So because that free mint is a higher level of engagement, I think it will lead to higher conversion rates when you go to your first paid product. So I would agree with that only up until the point we have wallet-to-wallet messaging. Because right now, the only reason this is working is because people are speculating and that's it. Because there's no way to go and contact those people that minted your free one. You have to hope that they're following and pay attention to you on Twitter, which people are doing. Why? Because it's a financial asset. So the moment these are no longer financial things and mainstream comes into this, which they don't care about this stuff, it doesn't work because there is literally no way to go and remarket to those who did the first mint, right? But in the Web2 world, there is. I can email them. I can run ads to them. I can whatever. You can't do that in this space. So mm -hmm. I think this is all mainly driven by curiosity because mm -hmm. it's a new technology. Financial gain is probably a large percentage of it. But I, I do agree it's a more committed engagement. So I definitely agree with that. We just need a way to communicate with them because right now we still have to do the old way or it's just, it's all luck. <laughs> Speaking about the old way, Mercedes-Benz, one of the oldest car companies in the world, 130 years old, is jumping into the Web3 space with Mercedes-Benz NXT. So this is not just an NFT collection that they're dropping. Mercedes is seeing the future they know that Web3 is going to be big. They know that digital collectibles is going to be big. They know that they are masters of physical collectibles because old Mercedes cars are very, very valuable, as well as model cars and memorabilia, old Mercedes memorabilia. They're a collectible company in a lot of ways. I know that our car company, but they are very much tied to the collectible space. And they know that Web3 is going to allow that. So they've launched NXT. Now, NXT, the vision is to be an ecosystem where there can be Mercedes-Benz collections of art and NFTs. There can be partnerships where they have partners do collections. And then there can be external artists that also do collections. So they have sort of a three-prong approach. Now, they're starting with a first collection that's going to mint on June 7th on as part of a Dutch auction. And... It's called Machine. And what they did here that was really smart was they partnered with two existing Web3 players. They partnered with Fingerprint DAO and they partnered with an artist, Harm Van Den Dorpel. Apologies if I just brutally butchered that name with my 
super Canadian accent and inability to understand a Dutch name. Now, this artist is a leader in the NFT space. And so really smart move by Mercedes. We keep saying this over and over again. If you're going to enter into Web3, the best way to do it is to tap into existing communities. Partner with communities that are already in the space and utilize them as part of your entry because you will get a lot of support from those communities. Mercedes marketing team is probably a pro member of Web3 Academy because they definitely read your report. And <laughs> For sure. Exactly on well, what you said. If you look at their team I'm on their website here, look at their team. A Cryptodes, a Punk, an MFR, and I don't know what this last PFP is. They're all Web3 natives. The other things that Mercedes did really smart, and let's just playbook break this down for a second, is they bought an ETH, an ENS, they bought a .ETH, and they created a new Twitter account just for their Web3 activities. Those are like the two most simple things that every brand should go and do right now. Yeah, for sure. It's extremely important to make that extra Twitter account because even right now, EA Sports, I'm just reading some of the comments and there's someone just like bashing it. He's going, digital collectibles, no one asked for this. It's an NFT pump and dump that's not going to be worth peanuts by the end of the first week. They're focusing on more profits as opposed to making better games as usual. People just lose their minds. Did, did they say NFT? Did they use the no, word NFT? No, of course not. It's Dot Swoosh, right? They, all, they didn't even say any of that. They just said a partnership with Dot Swoosh. They didn't say anything more. It's very vague. So this guy does get it then and he's bashing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people understand that. I think they know what dot swoosh is, but anyway, and they understand digital collectibles now. It's getting used enough. But anyway, yeah, very smart in what Mercedes is doing. The one thing I just want to say, as I talk to a few of our pro members and we have some learning more about what people are trying to create in this space, I know that collecting has been a, like digital collectibles, what we just said, has been a common use case in Web3. And I'm finding that a lot of people are struggling to break free from that narrative of that's what NFTs are. It is a use case of it, sure. But you understand that most people in the world are not collectors. This is a niche thing, collection. And you don't create a brand out of nowhere that you're like, you start with trying to sell collector's items, right? The reason Mercedes can do this because they're a 130-year-old company and they've created such an iconic brand in the world and they have such a massive amount of like, consumers and customers that the old Mercedes Benz, right? The old things that, you know, are no longer they're making anymore. They have become a collector's item to own an old car. So they have just, because of their iconic brand, have become a collector type of brand as well. And this is same with other car companies like Porsche, who also did this. And then other brands like Nike, et cetera. They built a brand, not a collecting brand. They just built a brand because they built a shoe that was good for athletes, right? Mercedes-Benz built a very nice car, actually one of the first cars, right? So it was like they solved a problem for people. So they built a legit business. And then as a result of that, things that they did in the past became collector's items. So those that are trying to just use NFTs as a to create a new collection, guys, that's not how this stuff works. It's not how you build a business. It's very niche to get people to collect things. And people typically collect things because they have you know, some sort of moment in their life that they have an experience with, or they like appreciate that brand for whatever reason or whatever that thing might be, you can make NFTs a collection. That's not what they are though. They are going to be, that is a 1% of what NFTs will be in the future. They are much more than that. So stop trying to create a brand from scratch that is a collector's thing. That's not how it works. You got to build a real product, a real service, a real business first. And maybe down the road, there will be people who want to collect your stuff. But if you're launching NFT collections right now and no one's buying them, that makes sense to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's no reason for someone to buy them unless it's amazing art and people, you have a community of people that really appreciate that type of art. But again, art is also very niche, right? You want to talk niche things, collector's items and art. Those are niche. That is not mainstream. So no, art and collections is not going to onboard the masses into the space. It's just not because no one cares. Just like finance is not going to onboard the masses into the space. Because again, people don't care about that. People care about social stuff and reputation. People care about gaming. People care about like, these are the big, going to uh, concerts, they care about music, right? These are the things that are mainstream, not collector's items and art. It's such a great point. We are going to look back on this moment of time and nobody is going to remember the PFP craze. I mean, we will, no. but that is a hype cycle. That is not a new business model. 
Well, it is a good marketing tactic. I believe if you're going to give governance to your anything, or you're going to give membership access, or you're going to use NFTs for like a some sort of use case, right? So for some sort of utility, also making that a branded image that people can put as their Twitter profile is a great marketing tool and a great community builder. So I do think it's a great marketing tactic, but it is not like you said, it's not the business. It's not the first step in the business. Exactly. This, yeah. It's a tool. So many businesses have been able to launch off of a PFP. That was a moment of time where you could launch yeah. a PFP and, and make $50 million yeah. and now it's have funded your business. And then you can go figure out what to do. And as a result of that, that's why most NFTs are going to zero because they yeah. haven't been able to figure out what to do. Even Kevin Rose and Moonbirds, the smartest teams in the space who have tons of experience, haven't been able to ship consistently and build a business that they would need to to live up to their hype and their value. So it's a moment in time. But definitely agree, PFPs are here to stay, but they come after, not first. Yeah, you got it. Okay, I'm going to try to quickly go through a couple other stories here and Kai, you can cool. jump in if you want. OpaPen or OPPen. This is Jack Butcher's project that's been getting a lot of attention and a lot of hype recently. And for good reason. In the last month, they've done 6,300 ETH in training volume. This is one of the projects that is the NFT project that's attracting the most attention. And it comes from the fact that this is a very unique gamified project. I think one thing is gamification on blockchain. It's like freaking engagement on steroids. It gets me so fired up. And I'm not going to go into trying to fully explain OpaPen. If you want to understand it, you can read a great article by the Metaversal guys over at Bankless who really break it down. The only thing I'm going to say is one thing that they did that was super cool was they put up these drops. I don't know how often they do them. They've done four so far. And when they put up a drop, they don't automatically say, okay, we're going to mint this drop. What they do is they say, in order for us to mint this drop, there has to be 200% demand. So if the collection size is 100, there has to be demand. People have to put their wallets up and say, yep, I want this drop. And it has to have at least twice the demand in order for the drop to actually happen. Think about this for a second. If you are a musician and you're trying to figure out where to go on tour and you had token holders, you would need token holders in the beginning, or actually, even if you didn't have token holders, you could put up an option where everybody could vote on which cities you did your tour in. And you could say, I require there to be a sold out show or 200% demand or whatever you want. And then you would go to those places. So people can now vote and be part of this action of engagement with putting their money up in order to make certain actions happen. So that's gamification, but that's also like community engagement. It's what Jack Butcher and the OpenPen team is doing is really cutting edge mechanics of Web3 to engage with the users. <laughs> Next up, ERC721 is a new token standard that allows you to convert Ethereum NFTs to Bitcoin NFTs. I'm not sure why anybody would do this <laughs> right now. I'm going to be straight up. Don't fucking do this unless I don't know if you're a Bitcoin maxi and you just really want your ETH NFT to be on Bitcoin. Here's the thing. If you do this, you are removing all the interoperability of your NFT because yeah. your NFT was built on ETH because your project, whoever is building that project is trying to build within the Ethereum ecosystem. They're building composability, interoperability. They're trying to connect with other communities. They're trying to allow to token get you access to events and stuff like that. You move to Bitcoin, you lose all that. You can't use yeah. your token to get in a Discord. You can't use your token to get in an event. I guess this makes sense for art, maybe. I don't know. It, Why even? Why does it make sense for art? So like, I get that you got to experiment with the tech, but fucking- Right. I mean, <laughs> the standard makes sense. Like you need this thing to exist in case- problems ever happen on Ethereum and you maybe you want to move across, right? We, we also build these for L2s because maybe you want to go somewhere cheaper. So like 
we need the ability to do it. But again, not a mainstream use case for anyone. There is no reason to do it. Not right now anyway. I, like you said, it's actually probably worse off just because, again, not because Bitcoin is worse than Ethereum, but in terms of utility and things you can actually do with that NFT, which is the whole purpose of, of NFTs, you just can't do anything on Bitcoin. I don't even know what wallet you can hold it in on Bitcoin. So like you're basically burning it. You're going through a time machine. What you're doing right now, if you burn your NFT on Ethereum is you're living in 2023 and then you're burning it, going through a time machine and coming back out in like 1998. And going, okay, now I got my thing, which is just makes zero sense. Uh, 1998, that's savage. I thought you would maybe say like seven years ago. You went back so far. I wasn't sure. What, You're not going either. back to web two. You're going back to early web three. Well, like seven years ago didn't seem that old. So I was like, well, let's go somewhere where like the internet was barely even okay. around. Kind of. Next, next <laughs> up, exciting stuff happening in Hong Kong, who is trying to become the global leader for web three. They have announced two organizations. One is, this is a mouthful, the Hong Kong Licensed Virtual Assets Association, and two is Web3 Harbor. I really like Web3 Harbor because if you've been to Hong Kong, it's like around a harbor. The word harbor really fits the space. And then Web3 Harbor makes me think of like where I would go to be part of Web3 Hub. So we have Silicon Valley in the US. Well, now we have Web3 Harbor in Hong Kong. Look, Mm. here's why this matters. There's some big brands that have come together on this partnership. And Amoka Brands is part of this. They're one of the largest venture cap funds in the space. They've deployed hundreds of millions into Web3. PwC is part of this. That's PricewaterhouseCoopers. They're one of the largest consulting companies in the world. They consult for the largest brands in the world. They also are the largest, one of the largest tax and accounting firms in the world. So you've got some massive enterprise level players that are saying, we want to make Hong Kong a hub. The other thing is today, Hong Kong is releasing new enforcement rules and regulations around cryptocurrency as they open up and enable more companies to easily operate with clear regulation within Hong Kong. So yeah, right now, if you're a business and you want to set up in Hong Kong, you can go apply to Web3 Harbor And to be honest, I'm not exactly sure what you get as part of that application, but my guess is you get access to a lot of mentorship. Maybe you get access to capital, you get access to events, big opportunities coming out of Hong Kong. Whatever it is, just go do it. Just go do it. That's it. That's our, our Nike should be the theme of our episode today. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. As Zora would say, fuck it. We mint. Okay. One more quick story for you. Blur has reached 225 million in loans in less than a month. Wait a second. This article that I'm looking at on the block came out a week ago. Is 225 million accurate? Let's look on chain. Let's see what the real number is. No, it's actually 350 million now. Now, here's what's very interesting to this. 350 million in total volume, 24,000 loans in total, but only 1,600 unique borrowers and 1100 unique lenders so basically this is a bunch of dgen doing yeah. like 20 loans each in order to farm the next blur airdrop i don't know if we have it i would bet there's someone that's like got hundreds of loans do we have oh we do have this this shows the number of loans so of the loans 32 percent are more than 10 44 percent are two to 10 and only 22 percent are one loan so 368 wallets have more than 10 loans yes can we i would like to see higher is there any that are 100 plus that's what we need to see like i got a feeling there's a couple wallets that are just that are probably the bulk of them i would bet 80 20 rule i bet you there's like 20 percent of wallets are 80 percent of all loans that's my guess i'm sure you're right we'll get back next week and uh all right you guys on that okay (laughs) it's time for our of the month And this week, it's Community Member of the Month. Drum roll, please. The answer is, it's CripAdvisor. Do we have it up on the screen here? We do. Okay. So CripAdvisor has been, uh, his name is Steve, for those who are wondering. He's Canadian. He has been a part of the Web3 Academy community for, I actually don't know how long, but a long time. He's been around this community for a while. He's been a part of a lot of the events we do. He actually handles our Discord for us. So he's sort of a Discord architect, we call him. And he's done an incredible job at building out our channels helping us with the events. He's done so much great work on that. He also helped out when we ran a, an event with Footprints. We were teaching people how to look on chain. He helped architect that workshop in their Discord. So he's done an amazing job there. Uh, I know he's also 
been a part of our DAO since the beginning, which started back in, I don't even know, June of last year, maybe something like that. Um, so he's been a core contributor there and part of that core team. And then uh, Steve is also just a doer. So he's been building some stuff in the back end on his own with CryptAdvisor. So a product that he's working on there. But also he started a, a podcast called GM Noob. That's it. And the idea here is he's trying to, it's actually a great idea. He says that oftentimes podcasts, when they start out new, kind of like us, when we were very new, when we first started ours, eventually we get to the point where we're more experienced and we start to bring more experienced people on. And then it gets harder for very new people to to understand. So he said, hey, well, I'm going to go always keep it very, very new and bring on noobs and have an expert try to simplify it and like basically pitch them on why they should care about Web3. And I was actually the first person on his podcast. So he had someone else come in who was a content creator on TikTok. And I had to go and shill them on Web3 and why this matters for their business. It was quite interesting. A lot of fun. A great idea. Absolutely love it. So kudos to Steve. Just been doing a lot of great stuff, both in our community and just Web3 abroad. So a lot of respect and uh, also a pro member of ours. So a lot of respect goes out to, to Steve. Shout out, Steve. Okay, time for some quick hits. Kai, I'm hitting you up first. Did you know that 1% of Bitcoin is held by the US government? I did. So it actually came from Silk Road. Well, most of it has come from Silk Road. So back in the day, for those that are new in this space, one of the big use cases of Bitcoin back in like 2013 was the ability to buy drugs on the internet with Silk Road. So in the black market of the internet, the only way that you can make payments was using Bitcoin. And it gained a lot of adoption as a result of this. So like terrible, but we'll take whatever we can get for adoption. Hey, the internet grew because of porn. So that's why we're all here on the internet. So like things happen. Okay. But anyway, the government realized this, they cracked down on it and they found, I forget who it was that was facilitating all this. He is in jail, at least was, and uh, they seized uh, a ridiculous amount of Bitcoin. In fact, though, so 1% of all Bitcoin, but they have to sell I can't remember the number, but a large percent of this, they've announced that they'll be selling this year. So there's a lot of people that are actually quite bearish on the Bitcoin price for at least this year, because there's a lot of sell pressure, both in the government has to sell a bunch of Bitcoin. And so does Mt. Gox, which was the exchange back in the day. They basically stole a bunch of funds. They're giving it back at some point this year. And so likely those people, I mean, this happened in 2013. So their Bitcoin is like a gajillion X since then. So there's a good chance they're probably going to sell it and take some profits. So Anyway, that's the situation on the Bitcoin, uh, on a bunch of stuff going on in Bitcoin, but that's why the US government has so much of it. So here's what you're probably thinking. Okay, so there's going to be some sell pressure and Bitcoin's going to drop. And I believe in Bitcoin long-term because I listened to Kyle's framework to successfully invest in Web3, which said that Bitcoin and Ethereum are the two network, strong network-based tokens that are at the lowest level of the stack that have the most potential long-term. You're thinking, okay, when are they going to sell? It sounds like a buy opportunity. And nobody knows when the government is going to sell. So you're also now thinking dollar cost average time, baby. All right. Wow. He's got it. Cost average. We don't know when Mt. Gox is going to sell. We don't know when the US government is going to sell. You dollar cost average in over the next year and you will hit one of these sales. I guarantee it. That's how you capitalize on the opportunity, folks. Or you buy ETH because no one's selling ETH. Everyone's staking ETH. <laughs> Nansen lays off 30% of its workforce. What's going on? Yeah, so Nansen, which is a on-chain analytics company, one of the leading on-chain analytics company, fantastic company. They laid off 30% of their workforce. Look, yeah, they grew too fast. Yeah, they got super excited and they hired a shit ton of people. Look, does this mean that Nansen is a bad company or a bad product? Not at all. Like this is what happens normal. in recessions. This is what happens when you get a whole bunch of funding as Nansen did back in the last bull run. You grow and you hire a lot of people and then things level out and you got to lay them off. Look, I don't know. I don't feel like there's much of a story here. People like these are always big headlines and everyone's freaking out. Oh my gosh, like laying people off. I'm sorry if you work for Nansen, you got laid off. That sucks. But it's also just part of cycles that is going to happen. They're still net way bigger than they were previous to that big hiring process. So they still have done a great job. They're an amazing company. They provide an awesome service and in a, a secular trend, no doubt, right? Blockchain analytics, you don't think people are going to want to know the data happening on blockchain when everyone is going on chain. Like it's an incredible business. So it's just part of the cycles. All right. From a wah, wah in the cycles to a whoop whoop. 
Web3 payments firm Transac raised $20 million. Yeah, so it's great to see raises happening even during you know these times. So good to see here. Transac is like, um, you wouldn't hear them much unless you're building and using it because they're kind of in the background for like an on and off ramp of fiat into crypto essentially. And actually I just was speaking with a programmer who's building something really cool for payments for like small businesses. It's a great idea. And they use Transac in the background. So it, everyone basically uses it in the space and uh, they just raised 20 million. So great to see some raises happening. Some people are laying people off. Some people have managed things a little bit better. And as a result, they can raise during these times. So it's cool. It's funny when news like this comes out and I'm like, Transact, like who the heck is that? Never heard of them. And then I start to look into it and I realize they're everywhere. They're just yeah. in the back end. They're like so far down the, the stack. Like Coinbase Wallet uses Transact. MetaMask right. uses Transact. The biggest guys are using Transact. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next up, leading the AI revolution in Web3, Orbify AI raises 2.8 million. What's this? Yeah, so Orbify, which is a AI-based company that also combines blockchain. And this is why we always talk about how Web3 is not just crypto and blockchain. It is so much more than that. It's the future of the internet. And what is really cool about Orbify is on the AI side, they basically are a content generation platform. So they allow you to use their AI engine to create imagery, whether it be 2D imagery, you can make 3D assets, you can make sounds. So a whole variety, they're like basically a, a production studio for a variety of different digital content that you can make. But here's the cool thing. It also enables you to create and monetize AI models using blockchain. So if you build an AI model on Orbify and then somebody else uses that same AI model, you can get monetize, you can get compensation coming back your way because it's all built on chain. Next up, USDC is coming to Arbitrum on June 8th. Yeah, this is great. So USDC, which is the one of the most popular stablecoins in existence, it's mainly been on Ethereum as well as Tron, I believe. No, that might be USDT. Anyway, it's across a couple different chains and now it's moving on to layer twos. It's always been there, but it's been like a bridged version of it. So meaning it had actually some risk to it, some additional risk to it, technological risk. And now it's native to USDC. And so you can basically put your USD right into USDC and do it right on our You don't ever have to touch Ethereum, which again, this is the future. This is the way you want to go. I still think stable coins are going to be the biggest and probably the fastest growing application on, on top of blockchain for, for a while now. I think it's one of the most important technologies we have. So super, super bullish on this and great to see it happening now on layer twos. Jay, one more for you. Web3 could change content consumption with something called watch and earn. Yeah, so... This is a company out of Dubai called Myco that is going to compensate you if you watch their content. So new watch and earn. Super smart because obviously right now, what happens when we watch content on platforms? Who gets compensated? Well, YouTube gets compensated because they are charging advertisers to advertise on your content. And then, yeah, creators get compensated, but creators get such a small piece of the pie. With MyCo and their new setup, revenue is generated and split between the users and the creators, and only a small take rate goes to the company. So 35% goes to the viewers and 65% goes to the creator or the person who owns the content license. And Michael's already at 2 million users. So signal, watch and earn. Watch out for watch and earn. You need to make some revenue though to make that worth it. Otherwise they're going to be inflating a token. It can be a sustainable model right there if they do have revenues. So I like it. All right, time for Freemint of the week. This week's Freemint of the week is pure internet. And this is from Zora. Last week's Freemint was also from Zora. So shout out to the Zora team. We had them on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Make sure you go back and listen to that. And this is this mint is a manifesto they have put out. I'm just going to read it because it's freaking badass and inspiring. We are moving towards a world where five corporations control the entire internet and everything we create on it. Actually, we're already there, spiraling further into the algo, shouting for attention and a bit of money if we're loud enough, trapped in the platforms we created, 
who would they be without us? Our imagination and creative energy spent there. For what and for whom? How the fuck did we get here? How do we get out? We go somewhere else. Same but different. On chain on Ethereum. New sovereign domain. Somewhere that's ours. We create there. We find each other there. We support each other there. We surprise ourselves with what's possible when we come together and create together. That's what we believe. It's what we're creating. A place called Zora. Pure internet. Free and valuable. Resonance and connection. Open and shared. Independence and expansion for all creation. Ours truly. Zora. Love it. Mint it. What was it? Fucking mint? What is it? Fucking mint. That's it. 8,000 minted so far. You can mint it for another six days. So grab it before the week is up if you want to support. Kai, final thoughts on today's show? That's a wrap, man. That's all I got. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have yourself a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and subscribe or follow so that you don't miss the next one. While you're at it, there's a link in the description for our free newsletter where we provide timely and relevant Web3 insights so you can confidently build and invest in Web3. Make sure to subscribe today. One final note. This podcast is for educational purposes only and nothing we say is financial advice. Crypto and Web3 are risky and you should never invest more than you're willing to lose. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.